How's everyone doing today? Isn't God good? Amen. God is good. Guys, we are entering into a new season at our church where I believe everyone is going to express praise and worship in ways that we never have before. Uh, I don't know if you felt it during worship. Um, I, I feel like the Lord is really stirring us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We worship Him in our heart, from our soul, but we worship Him according to the way He has outlined for us to worship Him. So I'm just super excited. If you are a first-time guest, we just want to welcome you into our house. We're so thankful that you're here with us. Let's give all of our guests a round of applause. We used to, uh, and just so you know, we used to have first-time guests raise their hands. Some like doing that. Some hate it more than, more than mo- most do not like that. So we're not going to embarrass you, but we're so thankful that you're here with us. If you, at the, in the front of your seat, there is a seat back pocket that has our communication card. If you could fill that out. Um, on the way out, you know how you came in through that main door? There is a hallway that says Guest Central. We'd love for you to take that and for us to get to know you at the end of service. Amen. So I have a couple announcements. Before I do that, I want to talk about Pink Impact. How many of y'all attended this past Friday and Saturday? <laughs> Ladies, how was it? I wasn't there. You could t- It's amazing. Amen. I heard some amazing testimonies about it. They uh, were able to put together a, a video, and I think that's on Facebook and Instagram. Um, but I, I think we had close to around 100 ladies in attendance, and I, uh, I was just so thankful to hear all the, the great reports. And I want to give a special uh, thank you to Caitlin Page. Caitlin, go ahead and stand. She... Uh, she spent countless hours um, preparing for even Friday nights. They were here, her and my brothers were here till like one in the morning, getting ready for the next day. And so uh, thank you so much, Caitlin. You are um, very important to what happens at Kingdom. And just everyone else, Mark and John, Elsa, and all the ladies. I mean, there's just so many people. I'm so thankful to be part of a church that is giving and uh, serving one another. I'm looking forward to having more events like this. Guys, we need to have one, right? We need to have something like that. Maybe we can have flowers and, you know, we can dress up and <laughs> smell good. Now, we can't do that because the wives will be like, you don't even do that for me. I'm not going to let you go to see a bunch of ladies. How many, how many of y'all know y'all don't dress up for the men? You dress up for your other ladies, right? Is that true? Okay. All right, guys, you can come however you want. We'll shoot. We'll, we'll light something on fire and just have fun watching it burn. Amen. So, a couple announcements. This Friday, we have our Good Friday service. It's actually going to be a night of prayer here at Kingdom. We've had several nights of prayer at the beginning of the year. We had a 21-day fast. Every day we met here in the auditorium for, um, for prayer and worship. And some of us continue that a little bit longer. We're going to have that again. We're going to come together. We're going to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. We're going to pray with one another And uh, so I want to encourage everybody, especially if you are volunteering, all of our volunteers to please be here. And then also anyone else who wants to attend. I just believe we're going to have a great time together with the body of Christ. That'll be at 6 p.m. I think I announced 7 p.m. Yeah, it's at 6 p.m. this uh, this Friday. So please be there. And then this coming Sunday is Easter. How many of y'all can believe that it's already Easter Sunday? This, This year is flying by. And uh, I'm just really excited. We're going to have an extra service. We're going to have a service at 9.30, one at 11.15, but also one at 8 a.m. 
And so we are encouraging, if you are a member at Kingdom, to please attend one of the earlier services, 8 a.m., 9.30, because we're really believing that um, this last service is going to be a more full service. One way that we are able to gauge how many people are coming is by signing up or registering. The only reason we're doing this is so that we don't have to turn people away um, at, at this service or even the 9.30 service. So please sign up for a service and I believe that'll help us get everything together. So it's going to be great. I'm really excited. Oh, Easter cards. We have several Easter cards still at Kingdom Central. I don't want to see any Kingdom card, any Easter cards after service. I want everybody to take some and to pass them out. You know, I was, I was passing some out last week at the gym in different places. And I gave one and like, hey, I go to church. Like, oh, yeah, you go to church. And so I'm like, I got to find somebody else to give this to. I want to encourage you to pass them out to people at the store, if you shop at H-E-B, Walmart, Sam's, just pass them out. Don't be ashamed. It's something that, I, that I'm doing, and it's not comfortable. For some people, it, they, they don't meet a stranger, right? Who, how many of y'all, you don't meet, ever meet strangers because everybody's your friend? My dad's one of them. Um, <laughs> there's several people in there like that. Please pass them out. Ask if you work somewhere and it's a place of business where a lot of people come through, ask if you can just put a, just put a stack there, we want everyone to, um, to be invited and to pass them out. Amen. So we are concluding today our final sermon of how to worship a king. This has been a series on worship, and we've been talking about praise this last, these last few weeks. But basically, it's a series on how we can learn to worship God the way that he wants. How many of you all know you can't worship God the way you want? There is a way to worship. There's a way to approach him. The whole Old Testament sacrificial system, uh, the, 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 the priests and, and all these laws, they were set up because we could only approach God a certain way. Now, we don't have to do all that today, but there is a way for us to approach him. This is what this series is about. This is on the screen, but worship is expressing to God how much he means to us. Worship is expressing to God how much he means to us. So if we don't worship in a way that he accepts, are we able to communicate to him how much we appreciate him? Maybe to some degree, but not fully the way he wants. Um, there's a verse that, that I've quoted, but we haven't read. I want to read it this morning. Romans 12 verse 1 talks about worship. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Why are we to do this? Because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. This is truly the way to worship him. Why do we worship God? Because of everything he's done for us. One of the first lessons we learned, we learned what we are worth to, to the Father. What are we worth to the Father? We're, we are worth the blood of his son. He gave his son for us. Salvation proves how much we are worth to him. Worship proves how much he is worth to us. So I want, to ch- I want to just challenge you to examine yourself. How much is the Father worth to you? How much is Jesus worth to you? How much is his bride worth to you? We already know what, he, what we are worth to him. I, I, I want to challenge us to, in the same way, give ourselves to him. This is what this verse is talking about. The way we worship him is not having bulls, not having goats, not having lambs, and putting them on an altar and burning them up, but putting ourselves on the altar and say, God, I'm going to burn up my dreams, I'm going to burn up my desires, I'm going to burn up my wants, I'm going to burn up any preconceived ideas of how I'm supposed to live this Christian life, and I'm going to put it on the altar and say, God, 
Let your will be done, not my will. This is how we are to worship the Lord. This is the heart of worship. And so um, I just wanted to read it because I hadn't read it. And I want to read verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is pivotal. I've talked a lot about this over the past few weeks. The difference between freedom and bondage is the difference between knowing, knowing truth and, and, and believing a lie. Believing truth and believing a lie. What takes us into bondage is what we believe about ourselves that is not true, what we believe about God. You know what the devil wants to communicate to us? Whenever we're going through a tribulation or going through a trial or going through something hard, he wants to whisper in our ear, God doesn't care about you. If we don't know the word of God, he will keep whispering that lie into our ear and we will not be able to refute it and we'll start to believe it to some degree. This is why it's important for us to know the word of God because it is pure truth. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that it is our weapon. It is the sword of the spirit that is able to, to, to kill and, and to destroy any lie that comes against us. And so what does Paul say in Romans 12? It says, uh, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Our thoughts are pivotal in this fight against the enemy. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How many of y'all want to know God's perfect will for your life? The, the only way you will know God's will for your life is when you lay, put yourself on the altar and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. When we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice. Now, if you don't want to know God's will for your life and want to live your will, then don't worry about this. But how many of y'all have lived long enough to say, hey, I've already done my thing. I've already tried going my way, and I've just, I'm left more broken and disappointed than when I first started. We have to begin to worship him the way that he wants. Then we'll discover his perfect will for our life. A couple weeks ago, we began talking about praise, what praise is. And so praise is one way we express worship. Many of us have heard of praise and worship. We think it's the, all the musical part of the first part of the service. The fast songs are praise. The slow songs are worship. Well, in reality, Worship is not just music, it's how we live our life. And then also Sunday morning we can express worship. Praise is, is this, and I was going to give the definition in a minute, but this, it's this. Praise is an expression of approval or admiration. So the umbrella is worship. Praise is one of the pillars underneath worship. It is how we express, uh, express praise and worship to him. We're going to be talking about those expressions today. But um, we talked about how it is important, and last week specifically, some of the benefits of praise. I just want to mention these real quickly. But number one, praise positions us to enter into God's promises. Why is that important for us, specifically for Kingdom Church? Because I believe the Lord has spoken to us that this year we're going to enter into a promised land year. And the key is purity. There's that word. We're going to continue talking about that word throughout the year. How well are you living purely before the Lord? Meaning, what areas in your life is God highlighting that he wants you to address, that he wants you to deal with? Anybody know what conviction is? Anybody feel that, that tug, like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, you shouldn't be saying that? To the degree that you respond to that in obedience, in, in, to respond in obedience to the Lord in that area is the degree that you live purely. And I'll say the degree that you live purely is the degree that you'll enter into the promised land. The reason why the children of Israel did not, couldn't enter it in but could not stay in the promised land is because they didn't live purely before the Lord. And so praise positions, positions us to enter in. Number two, God shows up when we praise. And number three, praise is a spiritual weapon. Again, it tells the enemy 
enemy, devil, I don't care that I lost my job in this pandemic. I don't care that my pay got cut. I don't care that my loved one got sick. My God is big enough to take care of every need that I have. You see how we've, amen. You see how in that example, we praised him. We say, God, you are bigger. This is what praise is. Praise is proclaims that God is bigger than any giant we might face. That's praise. And so whatever giant's in your life right now, tell that, tell that giant that God is bigger. Tell that giant, hey, it doesn't matter that my health is declining. My God is bigger and he's able to save me and heal me if he so desires. And we pray his will um, that by his stripes we were made whole. And we pray, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. And so we've been talking about praise. Tonight we're con- today we're going to conclude this message. And the title is Expressions of Praise. We're going to talk about specific ways we can express praise. Before I do that, I want us to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and just to give him room to, to, to talk to us. I think it's important that we do this when we're opening up our word, when we open the Bible and say, Lord, I don't, I don't know how to interpret some of these verses. Would you speak to me in this moment? Whenever you're about to have a conversation or even a difficult conversation with somebody, Lord, I don't have the right words. I have an idea, but God, I need you, I need you to speak specifically to my heart so that I can say the right things. And so before we go into this message, I want us just to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and to speak to our heart. So if you would, just close your eyes just for a moment. Father, we thank you. We say that we love you and we need you. God, we couldn't have started the service without you and we certainly cannot finish it without you. We need you to take control of our thoughts. We ask if there is any rogue or evil thought that is just wandering around in our heart, in our mind, that you would take it captive right now. Father, we pray that you would cast it out and we pray that in its place you would fill our hearts and our minds with your thoughts, things that are pleasing and honoring to you, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure. Father, we pray that you would fill our minds with your thoughts and your heart. I want you just to take a second. If you walked in with a heavy burden or you walked in with something that was just preoccupying your mind, I want, I want you to just surrender it to the Lord just for a second. Say, Lord, I, there, there is this problem in my life. There's this issue. But Father, I'm going to lay it to the side. I'm going to put it to the side. I'm going to let you take care of it and give you room to speak. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While I was praying, I nearly made a joke. and I said, and they may be sitting next to me, Lord. Like, I'm going to put them to the side. I was like, no, don't say that. Don't say that. They may. <laughs> you need to always, you need to let the Lord keep that burden. Don't pick up that burden. So expressions of praise. Listen to this. Just like love, praise has to be expressed. It's in the definition. Praise is an expression of approval or admiration. Ladies, and my dad says this, I've stolen this from him, but he used to say, ladies, what if, you're, what if you were telling your husband, you never tell me you love me, you never say you care about me, and they said, well, I told you I loved you at the altar, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> How many of y'all that would fly with you guys, ladies? No, no, it wouldn't. It's the same way with God. It's the same way with praise. Praise, like love, has to be expressed or else it's not praise. I said this a couple weeks ago. 
Some of us just live for Jesus in our heads. We say we're a Christian. We may even go to church every once in a while, but our actions, our words prove the exact opposite. Let me ask you, do you think the world can tell the difference? Oh, they can tell the difference. And let me tell you, they are not attracted to the church scene that we see today. I had a conversation this past week, and I'll probably say it again. I, I was talking about church, and guys, I, I don't know. I am just, I'm just over this postmodern church culture, this culture that uses lights, uses the fog, uses instruments, uses certain lingo to draw people in. I'm over it because that is not what will keep people in church, part of the body of Christ, connected to the Lord. It won't happen. Now, we're going to have those things. I believe those things are amazing tools, but if they ever become the focal points, then we need to make sure we're still at the cut, on the cutting edge of the technology of, of the church world. And I, let me tell you, it's, it's, not, it's not fulfilling. The church world, know, the, the world knows the difference. We have to be different. We have to be different. And so after this series is over, after we're done talking about praise and worship, we have a decision to make. Are we going to worship him? Are we going to praise him? Seeing all these things we're going to be talking about, are we going to surrender our will to him and worship him the way that he wants? Because let me tell you, God is not going to surrender his culture to our church culture. He's not going to do it. Did you know in heaven that people are worshiping and praising him 24-7? Look at this. Revelations 4 verse 8, talking about the four living creatures, it says, Each of these living beings had six wings. And their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. They say this day after day, night after night. I'm going to ask you a question. Is there fear in heaven? Is there anxiety in heaven? Is there worry? Maybe it's because they praise him 24-7. Church, I was talking to our team pre-service, and I just had this stir in my heart. I, said, I, just, asked them to ask the, ask, I just asked them, what stirs you? What gets you up in the morning? Is it a paycheck? Is it a raise? Is it a promotion? Is it a relationship? There's nothing wrong with, with having good relationships, especially with your family. But what stirs your heart? The world is looking for someone who is so stirred with the Holy Spirit, stirred with love for him, that they are literally set on fire. Do you know when somebody is set on fire, the world will not be able to look away? They're looking for someone who is in love with Jesus. These people in heaven, these elders, the, these elders and four living creatures and the, the hosts of heaven, they're in love with Jesus and they're expressing it 24-7. We have to embrace his culture. Amen? Sorry, I lost my place. So we're going to go over a few expressions. My desire is for us to see each of these expressions in our church. Because I want to see the kingdom of God here, not a church that I'm comfortable with. This is <laughs> you are not created to be comfortable in church. 
If you're not being convicted, you're not being stirred, something's wrong. Either up here or in the, or in, in the seats. I was going to say in the pews. I was about to date myself again. <laughs> we were not created to be comfortable. We were created to be challenged. We were created to say, oh, you know what? Once we begin living this way, we, we will love correction. We'll love his law. But initially, it's not going to feel good. So I want to see these expressions because I want God to inhabit our praises. You know the word of God says God inhabits the praises of his people? Did you know the word says that he is enthroned on the praises of his people? What does that look like? He has a throne. He has a seat. In our home, we can have Jesus on the throne or we can have someone else on the throne. If Jesus is on, on the throne, we get to decide how big of a throne he has in our life. How do we know? How can we determine that? By how much we praise him. So I want to ask you, how big of a throne do you want for him to have in your life? Praise him. Praise him and praise him and praise him. Praise him the way the elders do in, in heaven. So the first, the first way we praise him, the first way that we express praise is we sing praises to him. Look at Ezra 3 verse 11. It says, and they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. They said this, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. It says, they praised, they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Sorry, I'm at the, no wonder, I'm at the wrong place. <laughs> Give me one, sorry. It's um, First Chronicles 16.23. Let me start there. I went, I went further down. First Chronicles 16.23 says, sing to the Lord all the earth, Tell of his salvation from day to day. Psalm 13, verse 6. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 68, 32. O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God, sing praises to the Lord. Singing is praise. Do you know you will sing, thing, sing about things you are passionate about? This is why everyone loves country music. Because they sing about their problems and their loves 99.9% .9 of the time. <laughs> I do not like country. I, I want to make it a spiritual thing because I don't want to sing about my problems, but I, I genuinely just don't like country. Um, but this is why country is so popular because they're just honest about what they're feeling and they're going to, and we sing about it. I remember one time I was about to, I was getting ready to eat something. I was about to go somewhere and I found myself singing about the food that I was about to eat. And I didn't realize it until I was like, are you really singing about this enchilada you're about to eat? That's when I realized I had a problem. <laughs> I was like, I am too passionate about this meal or about food. We sing about what we're passionate about. Some people will say, well, I don't like to sing. Based on the last point I just made, I will say, then you're, you might not be passionate about God. You will sing about what you're passionate about. Sometimes when we praise the Lord, let's just say you don't like to sing. Maybe you generally don't like to sing. Maybe you just sing in your head, which uh, I guess that's a thing. But let's just say you, you, whatever. Sometimes God is going to ask us to do things that require sacrifice. They require us to say, you know, I don't like this. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get embarrassed. I'm timid. But... Because God is asking me to do this, I'm going to sacrifice my sanity or whatever you may, whatever you, however you may put it, and I'm going to praise him. Did you know there's a verse for that? 
Hebrews 13, verse 15. It says, Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Sacrifices are always uncomfortable. They never feel good. It is not feel good to put yourself on the altar and say, not my will, but your will be done. It doesn't feel good. It hurts. But sometimes sacrificing and offering a sacrifice of praise is simply stepping out of our comfort zone and saying, God, I don't care how this is going to make me look. I don't care how this is going to make me sound, but I'm going to express praise to you. Let's not just sing here in a church service. Let us sing everywhere we go. We can sing in our car when we sing when we wake up in the morning. When we sing to the Lord, we're expressing praise to him. Secondly, the second way we express praise is through bowing. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we, went, we spent a whole sermon talking about bowing. We looked at different Hebrew and Greek words. The most commonly used word for worship in the Bible is a word that speaks to bowing. Bowing is worship in the Bible. Look at, look at first, second, first Chronicles 29 verse 20. It says, Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrated themselves before the Lord and the king. The reason why in the, the words were shaka and um, proskuneo, Greek word and, uh, was the proskuneo and shaka was the Hebrew word. The reason why God uses the word bowing for worship is because we are literally laying down and bowing before the Lord, not just not just our bodies, but also our heart. We're saying, I'm going to lay down everything in my heart and I'm going, to, I'm going to surrender to you. This is why God uses the word bowing for worship. It's the most used word because this is the heart of worship. It is bowing. The third, the third way we express praise is praising with instruments. Look at 2 Samuel 6 verse 5. It says, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. 1 Chronicles 15, 16. David also commanded the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their brothers as the singers who should play loudly on musical instruments, on harps and lyres and cymbals to raise sounds of joy. One way, despite some people's beliefs, some denominational beliefs, one way we express praise is with instruments. I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all in here sing or play an instrument? Raise your hand. I, want, I just, I need to see. Okay. Many people do. If you were, if you were gifted uh, those, those talents, I really believe that God wants you to use those for his glory in praise and worship. We've had this drum, these drums sitting here for a while looking pretty, um, and it, it hasn't looked quite like this. We've had to do a lot of work, and there's a lot of things, but we want our church to be a praising church that praises with instruments and with our voices. Now, I'll say this. We don't just want anyone up here on this platform. I remember I went to a, a, a church conference, and he said, we don't call this a, a stage. A stage is where you perform. A platform is where you, you are you are demonstrating, are you speaking about a certain issue? And we're talking about praising Jesus. That is our issue. So this isn't a stage where we perform. I, I was a worship pastor for many years, and I saw all kinds of people come through, people who genuinely loved the Lord, but I saw people who were only on 
this platform because they wanted to be seen and heard. Did you know Satan was the worship leader in heaven? Do you know the reason he got kicked out of heaven is because he wanted to be seen? I heard it explained one time that his job was to receive the praise from the angelic host and to reflect it to the Lord. But there was a point where he said, I'm going to keep a little bit for myself because I'm the one that led all of heaven into worship. And I made this comment earlier, it's kind of a joke, but if it got heaven, it got Satan kicked out of heaven, it'll kick you, get you kicked off the worship theme. Because this isn't, a, this, isn't, this isn't about you, this isn't about me, this is about Jesus. I remember one time when I was younger and I was, the Lord was really just speaking to me. I remember I, I started speaking and I remember thinking, Lord, I, just, I don't want them to remember me. If they can just, if they can just think about Jesus when they leave. This is, this is what I want people to remember, because it's not about me. It's not about anyone here on this platform. It's about Jesus. So if you raise your hand, I saw you. I memorized you. I'm going to come. I'm going to find you. Just kidding. If, if, honestly, I, I have to talk to Kristen about this, but we want people to, to, um, to be on the worship team. Come see me. Come see Kristen. Kristen, raise your hand. Come, come talk to her, putting her on the spot. Um, we're going to have people who worship him in spirit and in truth. Next, another way that we worship the Lord is by shouting praises to God. Look at Ezra 3, verse 11. I read this a second ago. It says, and they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. They said this, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord. Did you know shouting is a way we express praise? We will shout for our teams who do nothing for us, especially if you're a Cowboys fan. They do nothing for you. You waste your money every... Okay. It's not about that, Lord. Forgive me. (laughs) I'm a Patriots fan. Um, We've done pretty good. I'm a Buccaneers fan now because I follow Tom Brady. My Tom Brady's tattoos, I'm just kidding, not right here, <laughs> TV 12. Um, I have a reason to praise, I'm just saying, I got a reason. <laughs> I'm running out of fingers over here. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's not about that. We will shout for teams and people who do nothing for us, but we withhold our praise for the King of Kings, who has done everything for us. I'm telling you guys. If we're going to experience the kingdom of God here on earth, we're going to have to surrender all our culture to his culture. I remember one time specifically about this expression of praise. I was like 17, 16, 17, 18. I remember the Lord was really just getting a hold of me and I was spending a lot of time with him. I remember I would go to the youth room where we were at and I would spend 30 minutes, an hour, sometimes two hours in, in worship and, and just prayer, and I remember, like, I would find myself just shouting, just like, just shouting to, I'm like, man, this is weird, but I was just so excited with uh, what the Lord was doing in my heart, and I'm like, I just, I just one way that I was just expressing praise, and I remember thinking, man, that's kind of weird, and I guess I would sometimes doing in church, but um, anyways, I remember I, I went, uh, I started reading this book, this, this series is based on the book, How to Worship a King, and he began to talk about shouting as that it was an expression of praise. And I remember just thinking, wow, Lord, I'm not just going crazy over here. Like, this is a way that we can express worship and praise to you. And I feel like the Lord, I just felt like the Lord encouraged me. He said, Josh, 
I know the way you're wired. You're very analytical. You need, to, you need to study everything and make sure you're doing everything exactly right. But let me tell you, if you will seek me with all of your heart, you will begin to live out the word of God without you even knowing it. And this is one way that I'm showing you. And I was just so encouraged. I'm like, man, I'm doing this just not instinctively, but out of a relationship with him. And I thought, man, if I will just continue to seek him and just continue to study his word, I will not go astray. I will live for him the way that he wants Another way that we express praise is by clapping our hands to the Lord. I think all of us have done that before. Psalms 47 verse 1 says this, clap your hands all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy. Psalm 98, 8, let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together. Do you know even all, even creation claps their hands before the Lord? The Bible says that even that the rocks would cry out if we withhold our praise for him. You ever, you ever seen the State of the Union address? No, no, anybody? It's where the president goes and he gives his yearly, his yearly speech. You ever see, okay, depending on who's, who's a president, whether a Democrat or Republican, you ever notice that uh, his, his party, his or her party, whoever is speaking, whenever they're speaking, their side gets up like every 10 seconds to applaud them? You ever, you ever seen that before? How many of y'all that drives you crazy too? Like, okay, we get it, we get it, like, you, you, love, the, you love your guy, you love your woman, um, I know, I get it, but you don't have to stand up and, and, and keep this, this thing from going on, we want to go home, we want to go eat, um, <laughs> right? I remember watching them, like, these guys are crazy, and I know they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to show up the other side, you know, how, you know how that works, and I felt like the Lord just convicted me, he said, Josh, yeah, what they're doing, it is ridiculous, but at least they'll praise their person. At least they'll, they'll, they'll show how much, how much they approve of what he or she is doing. He said, what have you done for me? Again, church, our God is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise. Amen. Another way we express praise is by raising our hands. I know uh, the, uh, our worship team this morning had us raise our hands throughout, throughout worship. Our hands are some of the most expressive parts of our body. So is it, it's not a wonder that this would be one way that we worship the Lord. Look at Nehemiah 8 verse 6. It says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they, look, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Psalm 134 verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. 1 Timothy 2 verse 8. This is a New Testament reference. I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Limitations 3, verse 41. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. Raising, raising our hands communicates so many things. It communicates agreement with God. It communicates surrendering to his will. You know, when, when we've seen the cartoons or the movies, they say, say stick them up, raise your hands. What, is that, what does that communicate? We're surrendering to the person who has the gun or the knife, or whatever. We're surrendering to them. It also communicates repentance and intercession. We raise our hands, Father, please forgive me, or raise our hands, God, be with my parents, be with my, my sisters, be with my spouse, be with my kids. It communicates intercession. This is one way we express praise by raising our hands. And then lastly, this, is, this may shock some of us, maybe not the Pentecostal crowd, but another way we express praise is by dancing. 2 Samuel 6, verse 14, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. Psalm 149, verse 3, let them praise his name 
with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. Psalm 30, verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You ever had a check come in the mail like out of nowhere? I, I'm, I guarantee you that weren't dancers, you became a dancer in that moment. You did the two-step or something like that. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Anybody like, anybody know how to dance? Like you would say, hey, I know how to dance. I'm like, I'm close to a professional dancer. <laughs> the reason I ask is because I want to learn how to dance, so I need some lessons. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, well, I'm kidding about asking. I am serious about wanting to learn how to dance. Um, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. We only know a few moves, okay? <laughs> and so um, I'm not going to demonstrate them. <laughs> we were created to dance. What is, what is dancing is expressing how we're feeling. Did you know you were created to dance with your spouse? Did you know you were created to dance with your child? Did you know you were created to express emotion? Where do you think that came from? We were created to dance before the Lord. I know that may be like brand new to some people, but dancing is a way that we can express praise. Let me tell you, dancing doesn't have to be sensual. It doesn't have to be attention-getting. It can be holy, appropriate, and powerful. It can be powerful. It can be extremely appropriate. There's nothing evil about a child dancing. And let me tell you, there's nothing evil about a child of God dancing. I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, what does this look like? I don't think, I don't think we've seen it here. Um, but I want to see it because I want the kingdom of God to be established here. Look at Zephaniah 3, verse 17. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. Look at the third line. It says, he will rejoice over you. That word rejoice is a Hebrew word. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's S-U-W-S. It's not on the screen, I don't believe. S-U-W-S. And it means this. To rejoice and be glad while leaping and springing in the air to dance with joy. I'm going to read this verse, inserting the definition in the place of rejoice. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice and be glad while leaping and springing in the air, dancing with joy over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. Did you know our God is rejoicing by dancing over you? We have a dancing God. Again, that may be a very foreign idea and thought to you, but this is a reality of heaven, and if we're going to express praise, or if we're going to worship him the way that he wants, we're going to have to lay down our pride. We're going to have to lay down our fear of man. I don't know. I'm not going to raise my hands. I'm not going to clap. I'm certainly not going to dance because I can't. And number two, because people will make fun of me. We're going to have to lay down our pride. I want God in my life. I don't know about you. I want God in my life, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get more of him in my life because I have lived a better life with him in my life than, than me trying to live my own way. We, this is the way we express praise. I remember I visited a Pentecostal church a while back. It was one similar to a, a, a church that I grew up in, not the same, similar. And man, I grew up in, in a UPC church. 
Uh, I, I grew up seeing people run around the aisles, run around the church. I saw there's this guy that used to do the helicopter. Literally, he would spin and spin. I was like, there he goes. About to, he's a, I, we would, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was cool. His name was Justin. Um, great guy. And I grew up, I even grew up in um, going to Discovery Camp, and that was a charismatic kind of uh, camp. And man, when they played the old gospel songs, I was, I, I was running around the chairs. I know these kids are looking at me crazy, but I'm like, I didn't care. I was running around because I was excited about what my God was doing in my heart. Amen. Telling you, when you fall in love with God, you're not going to care. Let me ask you, when you fall in love with somebody, do you care who's watching what you do? You do not care. The only person you're focusing on is the person in front of you. God can be the same way. So anyways, I went to this church, and to be honest, I went in with a critical spirit because I knew a little bit about this denomination. I'm like, okay, yeah, they're charismatic, and they do this and that, but they're missing this. They're missing that. They're making people do this, and it's not biblical, and so I, just, I was just really critical. And, and then I went in, and I sat down. I'm like, okay. I mean, and then the music started, and the worship started. And these people praise God. Every expression of praise I read about, I saw. And I quickly realized the power of praise and worship. I found myself worshiping and praising like I hadn't in a long time. And the Lord, and the Lord said, Josh, they may have some things wrong, but they have one thing very right, and I will find myself a seat in their house. Praise is very important, and the Lord, I had to repent, so Lord, please forgive me for being critical. These are different expressions. If we're, we have to lay down our pride and fear of men if we're going to submit our culture to his culture. Now, real quickly, I want to end with this. How many of y'all know it's Palm Sunday? I know some, a few people said it. Okay. Anybody know what Palm Sunday is? If you don't, I'm going I'm to tell you. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. It, Palm Sunday was the week, bef- was the Sunday before Jesus rose from the dead. And, and then, of course, Friday, he was crucified on the cross. Palm Sunday starts this week called Holy Week. A lot of denominations uh, uh, observe it. It's called Holy Week. It starts Holy Week. It is the Sunday, Palm Sunday is the Sunday that Jesus entered into Jerusalem on a donkey. We're going to read about it in just a second. It's called Palm Sunday because of the description that the Apostle John had in his gospel about how the people welcomed him in with palm branches. It's the only gospel that talks about it being palm branches. Jesus fulfilled a prophecy uh, in Zechariah 9.9. We're going we're to read uh, the New Testament version of that verse. Look at Matthew 21, verse 1. Matthew 21, verse 1. This is how Jesus entered Jerusalem. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, and he said to them, Guys, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. He says, guys, go into the, go into the town and, and find this specific donkey and the colt and tell the owner, hey, I need them. They'll know, they'll know what you're referring to and they'll let you have them. 
Verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. And then verse 5, it's, this is the prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. It says, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of a burden. Jesus, this is a side note, but Jesus fulfilled many prophecies, hundreds of prophecies when he was born uh, in, um, in 80, in 80, 0, I guess. Whenever he was born 2,000 years ago, he fulfilled many prophecies. This is one of them. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colts and put them on their cloaks, and put on them, sorry, their cloaks, and he sat on them. So they took off their jackets and put on the donkey so that Jesus wouldn't have to sit directly on the animal. Verse 8, most of the crowd spread their cloaks, their jackets on the ground, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting. This is what they were saying. As Jesus was walking in on the donkey, they shouted this, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were shouting this for, God. We, don't, we don't know how long, but they repeated this statement over and over again. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? The crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So what did they do? They welcomed him in with shouts of praise and with waving palm branches, and they put the branches also on the ground. Historically, only a king would be welcomed this way with palm branches. Palm branches signified victory, well-being, and goodness. Palm branches were depicted on coins. They were depicted on important buildings. For example, King Solomon uh, built the temple, the, his temple. This building is, was probably one of the most expensive buildings ever designed and created because of the mountain of gold that was, was placed on it. On the doors of the, of the temple, Solomon had palm branches engraved on it. That's how, that's, this is how important palm branches were during that time. And also, did you know that at the end of time, whenever, we, whenever Jesus comes back, and we, we go to heaven with him. Did you know that we will raise palm branches to honor Jesus? This is, this is really interesting to me. Revelation 7 verse 9 says this. This is John talking. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne. He's talking about us and, all the, and everyone who's been saved. And before the Lamb, they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Did you know at one point in our history, we're going to raise palm, we're going to have palm branches in our hand and we're going to, we're going to shout our king's praise? Right. 10. And crying out with a loud voice, this is what they said. Salvation, and we're going to say this, we're going to join all the hosts of heaven saying this. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We're going to say this. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Verse 11, and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces. Look, they bowed. We're going to be bowing in heaven before the throne and worship God. And this is what they said. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might and every other adjective we can come up with be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This should get somebody excited. We are going to worship our God 
let me, let me just put it this way. If we are not interested in praising God like this, here, why do you think God would want us in heaven? Heaven is a place for people who want to be there. A lot of people think, well, God's just this evil God. He's angry. It's not fair. God is saying, I want people in my home that want to be with me. If you don't want to be with me, how can you fault me for not sending you an invitation? We're going to praise him like this. There are, there are times sometimes in praise and worship, especially when I'm hearing songs that have different, um, different nations and different languages praising God, I, I feel like I just get a glimpse of him. I'm like, this is what it's going to be like. We're going to join every person throughout all time who has chosen Jesus, has followed God, has, has chosen Jesus as their Savior, and we're going to worship with them. We're going to praise him. This is our heritage. This is our destiny. This is one reason that we praise. So this is what the people during that time did. They, in, they welcomed Jesus into their hometown, Jerusalem, with praises. And let me tell you, it is the same way he will come into our home with praises. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus, but um, the... Palm Sunday is also known as the triumphal entry. How many of y'all knew that? The triumphal entry. Why was it called the triumphal entry? Because Jesus had been performing many miracles, and there were rumors that he was the Messiah that was prophesied. And so they, as they were welcoming him in, they, they, they thought that they were welcoming in the long-waited uh, long, um, King who was going to who was going to rescue them from their bondage. Now let me give you their idea of Messiah. For hundred at that up to that point, for hundreds of years, they had been in bondage to everybody. During that current time, they were under the Roman rule. Before that, they were under the Greek rule, and then before that, there were the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians. They had been in bondage to everybody. At one point, they had their own kingdom, but because they didn't obey the Lord, God said, I can't allow you to govern yourself. I can't allow you to live in the land, actually. I'm going to have to kick you out and get the Babylonians and the Syrians to come in to get you out. And so from the moment that they were kicked out of their homeland, they had been under different people's rules for hundreds of years. In, in their scriptures, also our scriptures, there was um, a prophecy that, that a Messiah was going to come. We believe, as Christians, that Jesus is the Messiah. The Jews do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. At one point, they're going to believe, but right now they don't believe. And so they believed, their idea of Messiah was this, that he was going to come on the scene and overthrow any, whoever the oppressors were. So in this case, these people were welcoming Jesus into their home, saying, Hosanna in the highest and all these things, because they were expecting Jesus to, to, um, to set them free from Roman rule, okay? Can you understand, do you understand why they're welcoming him in that way with palm branches? Because they thought their Messiah was here. I don't have time to read it, but Acts 1, verse 6 and 7 talks about this. After Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples asked Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom to us? Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. Essentially, Jesus said, Yes, there's coming a time when I'm going to establish complete rule, but in this moment, I'm going to establish the kingdom of God on earth. They didn't understand that. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, it says that Jesus is a stumbling block to them because they thought that he was going to come and establish, um, establish rule. 
Because of these expectations, they shouted Hosanna. I forgot to say this. Hosanna means, please save me. That's what Hosanna means. So they, what they were saying, as they were waving palm branches, they were, say, they were saying, these palm branches are for our king. And they're saying, Jesus, please save me. Deliver. They're essentially saying, thank you, God, that you have sent our deliverer. He is here to save us. Please save us now. This is actually what they were doing. As they were praising and worshiping, they were expecting Jesus to overthrow the Roman government. But what ended up happening? That was on a Sunday. By Friday, what happened? Those same people were saying, crucify him, crucify him, talking about Jesus. Between Sunday and Friday, something happened. What happened? This is what I believe. I believe the Jewish people were disappointed because this Jesus, this Messiah, did not meet their expectations. And they were offended. And out of the offense, they said, we don't want this Messiah. We don't want Jesus. He doesn't fit our description of what our Messiah is supposed to look like. They were offended. They expected Jesus to overthrow their enemies, which is exactly why they were shouting Hosanna, waving palm branches, and welcoming them in the way they did. But let me tell you this. you got to catch this. This is, they did not realize that they had a bigger enemy than the Romans. They did not realize that they were warring against sin and evil and death ultimately. Let me tell you, this is the power of praise. They welcomed Jesus into their home, expecting him to defeat one enemy when Jesus said, hey, I know you think I'm coming into your town to, de to, to defeat the Romans, but I'm coming to defeat a bigger enemy, and I'm going to defeat him on the cross in, in a few days, and I'm going to raise after that, and I'm going to once and for all conquer death, hell, and the grave. Because here's the deal. The, the Jewish people, they thought if they could just be set free from the Romans, that they'd be free. They did not understand that they were still under sin and they, they were still living a lifestyle that their forefathers lived that actually got them to get kicked out of the promised land. They didn't realize that even if they were on their own, they were still in bondage. Listen to this. God said, this is the power of praise. They welcomed them in with praise to defeat one enemy. But Jesus said, I got a bigger enemy that I'm going to defeat. And I'm only going to come in when you praise me. This is crazy. They praised him not knowing what they were praising him for. This is the power of praise. What if they had not have praised him? I don't think he would have came in. Because the word of God says, we will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. What does that tell me? That we can praise Jesus for things, for, for him to conquer enemies that we can't even see. That is the power of praise. The Jews during that time demonstrated it because they praised him thinking he was going to do one thing. We said, I'm going to do something so much bigger than that. Yes, I'm going to come back one day and I'm going to establish total dominion on, on this planet and I'm going to reconcile everyone back to myself. But until that happens, I'm going to set you free from sin, from death. I'm going to set you free from anxiety. I'm going to set you free from worry. I'm going to set you free from fear. I'm going to set you free from anything that will keep you in bondage. He defeated someone so much more powerful than the Romans. And the Romans were the greatest empire that's ever lived, that's ever existed. Jesus said, I've come to defeat someone bigger, and it's be I'm going to defeat death, hell, and the grave, and Satan, because you praise me. Yeah. Church, there is power when we praise him. 
A few weeks ago, I already said this, but I was getting ready to preach the sermon talking about praise, and I wasn't really excited about it just because of the content. I'm like, oh, maybe in a few weeks it'll, it'll be better, whatever. And the, and the Holy Spirit showed up, and God convicted me. He said, don't you ever underestimate when you talk about praise. I always show up. I always show up. Are we going to surrender our will to his will? Are we going to surrender our expectations to his expectations? Are we going to express praise in a way that he receives? Let's all stand. And I want you just to close your eyes and bow your heads. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us this morning. Father, we thank you. Honestly, I believe there are some of us who need to repent. Repent of not expressing praise. Some of us know, probably know a lot of these things. But we, for whatever reason, I said, we have withheld our praise from our King. I really believe the Lord is saying, are you willing to repent? Are you willing to lay down your pride? Are you willing to love me the way that I'm asking Jesus, we need you. If that's you, if that's a word for you, I want you just to begin to repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. However he's revealing it to you, I want you just to just ask for forgiveness. Father, please forgive me for being so stoic and so put together that I have withheld his praise from me.